On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla finally launches their car insurance policy offering. I've got the details on that. Plus, Tesla might finally be getting closer to its long-held dream of getting rid of side-view mirrors on its cars. Good news for Tesla in China, as well as a couple of United States, and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 213 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for September 1st, 2019. And uh, Ed McManning it over on the couch to my left, Daisy the Boxer Puppy. Well, I thought it was going to be a slow news week this week, but in true Tesla fashion, that rarely happens. It ended up picking up quite a bit. So it uh, turns out I've got quite a few stories to go over this week. Let's get right to it, as well as your questions, your excellent calls from the Ride the Lightning hotline. We'll get to those later in the show. Let's start with the big news, which is Tesla launching their car insurance policy. Took a little doing. It was originally supposed to happen in uh, May, if memory serves. Took a little longer than that, but here we are. Tesla announcing on their blog, we're launching Tesla Insurance a competitively priced insurance offering designed to provide Tesla owners with up to 20% lower rates and in some cases, as much as 30%. Tesla Insurance offers comprehensive coverage and claims management to support our customers in California, and it will expand to additional United States in the future. Because Tesla knows its vehicles best, Tesla Insurance is able to leverage the advanced technology, safety, and serviceability of our cars to provide insurance at a lower cost. This pricing reflects the benefits of Tesla's active safety and advanced driver assistance features that come standard on all new Tesla vehicles, end quote. Well, unfortunately, the launch was not without difficulty. Tesla taking to Twitter on Wednesday afternoon saying, Tesla insurance launches today in California to offer better rates for Tesla owners. The responses to that tweet were clearly not what Tesla was looking for because almost everybody that replied posting a quote after they went to the site posted, well, the opposite of a better price. They were significantly, not just a little bit, significantly more expensive than what they're already paying. Three hours later, Tesla tweeted, quote, we're making some updates to Tesla insurance and we'll be back online shortly. Then one more hour after that, they posted algorithm update in progress. And then the Tesla insurance site didn't come back online until about 24 hours later. Now, I don't want to make too big a deal out of this because getting it right is the ultimate thing, and they got it right. And then, you know, in a month, six months, a year from now, odds are nobody's going to remember the first 24 hours being a little bumpy. But, you know, the, the autopilot slash full self-driving price structure change from the end of February was also, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of bungled a little bit, as was the whole... We're closing most of our stores, and then just kidding, it'll only be some of them situation from uh, from shortly after that. You know, Tesla is getting big enough and successful enough where they've got to try and avoid these uh, these unforced errors. But that aside, when the site came back up with its updated algorithm, well, things did indeed get better, and people were posting uh, much different uh, responses on on social media and on forums. The responses were mostly, 
slight discounts, uh, you know, within the range of what Tesla had suggested it would be. I went ahead and logged in and I got a quote. So um, I'll, I guess I'll tell you for <laughs> to do with it what you will. I, you know, everybody's insurance price is different, but just as a point of reference here. So I pay $181 per month for my Model 3 with State Farm now, and Tesla Insurance quoted me $167.54 per month. Now, to get to that, it was actually lower at first, but I had to go in and uh, change a lot of the the uh, benefits on there. I, I actually had to increase a lot of the the uh, benefits that they had. So the you know the, the like the bodily uh, bodily insurance and property damage and all that. I had to up it. Plus, I had to up my mileage. It also defaulted to single, so I put married in. Although that that should have made it go down, I think a little bit. But all in all. You know, I went in and tweaked most of the options to try and get as much of an apples-to-apples comparison as possible. So it did kick out uh, a price that is slightly lower for comparable coverage. Now, I personally probably won't be switching because in my family situation, if I do, we would lose our multi-car discount with State Farm. We've only got, we've just got the one other car. Um, so, you know, it probably doesn't make sense for us for right now, but it may very well make sense for a lot of you. You know, if you're a, maybe you are a single person with one car, you know, your Tesla is your only car. It might end up making a ton of sense for that. Now, for me, I will absolutely be looking at this, uh, when it's time to get the Roadster because that thing is going to be such a freak of nature by basically any definition of the word, including an, a car insurance definition of the word, that I would certainly feel much more comfortable insuring it directly through Tesla rather than State Farm or any traditional car insurance company. But the bottom line with all this, though, is Tesla did deliver on, on what they said they would. They are offering competitively priced car insurance, competitive coverage, and hopefully over time, this is going to turn into a win-win for both Tesla and Tesla owners. So I would be curious to hear from those of you who are deciding to make the switch about, you know, over time, you don't necessarily have to reach out right away. If you want to let me know, feel free, but I'm kind of curious over time as the the policy starts and things get going and particularly, I mean, hopefully this won't happen, but if you end up meeting a claim of some kind, be it an accident or a, or a glass situation, I'll certainly be curious to hear from from those of you uh, kindly lis- listening to this podcast to see how that experience is. Well, next on the, uh, on the agenda here for this week's episode is uh, music to Franz von Holzhausen and Elon Musk's ears as the United States is going to be testing side view cameras as an alternative to side view mirrors. This story comes via Reuters. Uh, I saw it on Reddit and they write this. The U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration plans to test how drivers could use cameras to replace traditional rear view mirrors in automobiles, a technology already allowed in other countries. The planned test by the agency known as NHTSA would examine, quote, driving behavior and lane change maneuver execution, end quote, in cars with traditional mirrors and camera-based visibility systems, the department said in a notice offering the public a chance to comment. So there you go. This is absolutely 
fantastic news uh, and just great to see the U.S. government moving forward on this. Now, it obviously doesn't guarantee anything just yet, but hopefully the fact that other countries do already have this in place, that other countries have already made this happen, will increase. I mean, pressure is not the right word, but, you know, maybe help just grease the skids a little bit, move things along uh, with the NHTSA to do so here in the U.S. Now, someone posted, in a related note here, someone recently posted a photo of the cockpit, the interior of the Tesla semi-truck. This is a recent picture. I wish I could remember who so I could give them credit. And the reason I bring that up is because that image showed the screens on in the truck and those screens showed the side mirrors on the outer quarters, vertical quarters of both of the, the Tesla Semi Cabin's Model 3 dashboard screens. There's one to the left of the driver and one to the right. And, it, and so you had the mirrors there in camera form. Now, the, uh, the silver Tesla Semi prototype doesn't have the uh, traditional side view mirrors on it. So that's probably where this image came from. And so we know, you know, the semi truck is already playing around with that. The original Model X prototype back in 2012 had side view cameras that obviously never, never made it to production that way. And then certainly the Roadster was unveiled without mirrors in late 2017. Um, I would certainly love to to see all of Tesla's vehicles get to production without the need for side view mirrors, but it's, I think it's especially vital for the semi truck because it's that's such a a key area of potential growth for the company. Yes, I mean the Model Y is going to be a primary driver, but but the semi truck represents such a a chance to disrupt another entire industry and one that one that probably represents a pretty good chunk of of uh, pollutants, of pollution emission, you know, on America's and the world's roads. So if, if uh, and where I'm going with all this is to say, if, uh, if the semi-truck can be approved for use, the Tesla semi-truck obviously, can be approved for use with cameras instead of side view mirrors, it should that would make a tangible difference in the range of the vehicle. I believe, if memory serves me correctly, back when this came up with regard to, I think it was back, it might have even been with the X, the X prototype. It was either Elon or Franz who, correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody has the exact data, the quote, but that deleting the side view mirrors would add about 5% to the range. Or maybe it was the other way around that, that the mirrors were a 5% hit. But either way, you know, about you know, half a dozen of one, six of the other. But you know, 5% on the, on the semi-truck is very significant because if you've got a 500-mile Tesla semi-truck, you could suddenly overnight uh, have a 525-mile semi-truck uh, Tesla semi-truck, that sort of extra chunk of range for for free, as it were. And I got to think that's that would be huge for prospective buyers, not in and of itself, but just within the greater scheme of the Tesla semi-truck if suddenly, I mean, hey, you know, 500 sounds pretty darn good, but then, you know, you yeah, throw on f- another 25 miles, 525, like 
that's a that's a nice sounding number and you know could push a few more prospective buyers over the edge. So uh, that is good stuff. Kudos to the NHTSA for actually doing a formal evaluation of this. And let's hit, hope that it gets approved in the next year or so because the Tesla Semi is due to go into production in about uh, one year or so, probably you know late fall 2020 thereabouts. Next up this week, let's head around the globe to China. Tesla's showing off the very first Chinese-made Model 3 this week. Elon Musk was there in Shanghai for the World Artificial Intelligence Conference, and at the event, they did have a black Model 3, the first one produced locally in China. Now, the Gigafactory 3 will be fully online soon, but this was still just great to see. You know, yeah, in this case, it's kind of a bit of a publicity, not a, you know, stunt's the wrong word, it's too strong, but, you know, it's a little publicity thing, like, hey, here's one we built in China, and thousands more will be coming behind it in the next few months, but that's just great. And by the way, tip of the hat to Jay in Shanghai on Twitter for posting that. More good news in China as well. Tesla was granted a purchase tax exemption in China, effectively their form of sales tax on car purchases. Reuters notes that, quote, the exemption from a 10% purchase tax, which is what this is, could reduce the cost of buying a Tesla by up to the uh, U.S. dollar equivalent of just under $14,000. And that comes via a post on Tesla's social media site, uh, pardon me, Tesla's social media account on WeChat, which is, uh, which is big over there in China. So more great news for Tesla in China. They're just everything, everything is really going super well on the China front right now for Tesla. And let's hope that it can, it can keep right on rolling. Uh, elsewhere around the world, before I uh, bring it back to the U.S. of A., just one more global note. If you happen to be listening to me in Iceland, I don't know if I have any listeners from Iceland, but if I do, uh, you'll, be, you'll like to hear that Elon Musk says that Iceland will be getting its own Tesla store, and it is opening on a very specific day. No, uh, no vague Elon time here. Opening September 9th in Iceland. So be on the lookout for that if you happen to be uh, in the area. Next, while we're on the subject of Elon, a very minor progress update on Smart Summon. You know, we've been hearing a lot about that lately. And just last week, we heard that it's going to be part of the version 10 software release sometime approximately before the end of October. But Elon replying to someone on Twitter recently adding, quote, we need to complete internal QA testing for safety, which will hopefully be done in about four weeks. So that just gives you a little bit of an extra idea, a little extra context of where Tesla is at in that process, which, which really is essentially the final step here. You know, they're running it through a bunch of safety-minded scenarios and tests to try and make sure that there aren't any big vulnerabilities or blind spots as it were, but we'll keep an eye out for that in the coming, uh, you know, basically the next 60 days or so. Next story this week, this is it's one story after the other. I had, uh, I had like two stories down on, I think, Tuesday night or so, maybe even Wednesday, and then it just, thankfully, the, the news week picked up. Uh, good news, speaking of picking up, good news in North Carolina. A very positive electric vehicle initiative is underway there. Thank you to Matthew 
on Twitter for sending this my way. The governor of North Carolina has signed executive order number 80, quote, North Carolina's commitment to address climate change and transition to a clean energy economy. That is the name of the executive order. And it calls for a number of zero emissions vehicles to total 80,000 in North Carolina in the next six years by 2025. And of course, uh, but they, what's interesting here, I actually thought it was a little interesting that North Carolina is defining a zero emissions vehicle, a ZEV, as an electric powered vehicle that never emits exhaust. So um, they're kind of actually omitting hydrogen there because a hydrogen powered car only emits water. So I just thought, you know, nobody's really, Toyota's got the Mirai, uh, which is sold, actually, I think it's leased here in California. Um, not sure if there are any other actively available hydrogen cars, but nevertheless, I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not disagreeing with this, but I just found it a little funny that, that North Carolina is really zeroing in on battery electric vehicles specifically. So that's pretty cool. They know the executive order notes phase one of this executive order will constitute initial development, including an opportunity for the public to give feedback. So if you are a listener of mine in North Carolina, you might want to set up a Google alert or something to track executive order number 80 uh, and the progress of it uh, so that you can you can help, you know, get your two cents in if if you've got, you know, a, a good opinion or, you know, a good perspective here uh, that's something you'd like to see. You can you can be a part of this process. Phase two will include such tasks as coordinating with local transit agencies and reviewing funding options for uh, North Carolina Department of Transportation to buy zero emission vehicles. Phase two is expected to be completed in 2020, with some steps completed by early 2021. Phase three will include such tasks as finalizing efforts to establish alternative fuel corridors that support zero emission vehicles and preparing a midpoint ZEV program review. So they've got a plan in place here. And, you know, I talked about it last week with Colorado. The more states that make a push to be friendlier to electric vehicles, by by the way, just about any definition of that phrase is a good thing, the more, in my opinion, that wave of both public acceptance for EVs and the desire for them by the public is going to increase. And it will be just momentum that I think will continue to build state by state. So kudos to Governor Roy Cooper of North Carolina for taking action here. Let's hope the state, both uh, its lawmakers and its population, put in the effort to make the governor's goal a reality. Now, speaking of, of good news in other states, Maine, quick note for you as well. Just before I sat down to record, coming in under the wire, thank you, Josh McHenry, for sending this in. Just a quick note that Maine uh, now uh, has just passed and made available a $2,000 electric car rebate. So that's great. Like I said, California here, it's $2,500. So two, two grand is, uh, is nothing to sneeze at. That is, that is really great stuff. So if you are purchasing in Maine, you should look that up. Uh, have it front of mind as you as you plan out your Tesla or other electric vehicle purchase. Next, I want to just shift gears for a second. Phrasing, I guess, since Teslas don't have gears. 
But, uh, you know, I know I don't talk about other electric vehicles here by design. You know, I'm, I'm interested in Tesla, but this story does relate to Tesla. I wanted to congratulate Porsche because they have become, uh, or they are well on their way, they're on the doorstep of being the first company besides Tesla to really tangibly push electric vehicles forward in the performance department. And I've talked extensively about you know, my belief that, that the high performance that Teslas offer are a huge draw in helping people want to switch over. You know, the fact Teslas are generally more fun than a lot of internal combustion engine cars, and that makes it a lot easier for people willing to uh, take the plunge and, and make the switch. So, you know, the Leaf, hey, the Leaf has improved a lot with its second generation car. The Bolt, solid around town commuter. I'm not going to knock it. The I-Pace, I think, is a very nice looking car, uh, unlike most companies that seem to decide they want to intentionally uglify their electric vehicle offerings. And yeah, you got the e-tron, which has, uh, it's a very traditional car, uh, but, but in a, you know, one that people like. So it's, you know, it's got a nice interior, very, everything about it's very traditional, but it is a full 200 range, 200 mile range battery electric that will hopefully help transition those, uh, you know, internal combustion engine owners over maybe a little more gently. I mean, I've actually talked to a, a, a person here and there who, you know, they're, they're kind of put offs, not the right word, but I would say intimidated by the Tesla interior, just the extreme minimalism. So, you know, I think again, I'm just, I think all of the current major electric car offerings do offer something good, but Porsche has, uh, has, has taken the next step and finally posed Tesla a legitimate challenge, at least in the performance department. Tesla Roddy noting that Porsche has announced that the, the Taycan, its first all-electric four-door sedan, had completed a lap around the Nürburgring in 7 minutes, 42 seconds, well below the company's own target time of just getting it under 8 minutes. What's more, a video of the run appears to show the Taycan prototype hitting speeds of 161 miles an hour on the track's final straight. With a time of 7 minutes, 42 seconds, the Taycan is only 4 seconds short of the record set by its stablemate, the Porsche Panamera Turbo S, which currently holds the record for a production four-door sedan on the Nürburgring. Behind the wheel of the record-setting Taycan was professional driver Lars Kern, who praised the vehicle for its stability and acceleration. Quote, The Taycan is also suitable for racetracks, and it convincingly proved that here on the world's most challenging circuit. Again and again, I am impressed at how stable the all-electric sports car handles in high-speed sections such as Kesselchen, and how neutrally it accelerates from tight sections, such as Adenauer uh, Forst. That is the end of of his quote. So this is great. I mean, you know, the the Taycan might not beat the P100DS in a straight line, but the track performance, specifically to a sustained track performance, is only going to, again, help convert more of those petrol heads, and I say that endearingly, over to electric cars. This is a really good thing for the EV movement, and I'll tell you, I wouldn't be surprised once Porsche officially unveils this car, which they're supposed to do this week, by the way, 
if we don't hear Elon Musk say something nice about the Taycan at some point, uh, he'll probably have to be asked about it. But I, I would not be surprised because this one seems like by far the most serious challenger to Tesla in the performance department. So uh, there you go. Now, I know there are also a lot of other factors to consider when you're thinking about the purchase of any car, uh, and certainly an electric car, like, for instance, a high-speed long-distance charging network, and Porsche still has to prove that. You know, they've said they're, as part of the, the Volkswagen group, there's the uh, Electrify America network that they've, they're trying to, they're working on spinning up. But the point is for Porsche to come out on its first proper attempt at a ground-up electric car and make something that performs like a Porsche, that's only going to bring more people into the EV tent and inspire other automakers to up their game, which is what we need. I mean, it's like I was talking about a minute ago with the EV-friendly legisla uh, legislation in state after state after state. It's a momentum thing. I really, really believe that. So good stuff from Porsche. Hopefully Tesla can find a way to leapfrog the competition out on the Nürburgring very, very soon. Finally this week, I want to end on a super fun note. John Carmack, if you don't know that name, let me tell you a, a bit about him, but he was on Joe Rogan's podcast this week, episode 1342, if you'd like to go listen to it. John Carmack is a friend of Elon Musk, and John Carmack uh, is very much someone who... Uh, who I admire in the video game world, he is uh, basically, he, John made his name helping build, he was one of the key founders of id Software, the makers of Wolfenstein, Doom, Quake, uh, and then, you know, Rage has been, <laughs> maybe not, maybe, maybe Rage might not quite go among their pillars, but, you know, Doom, Wolfenstein, Quake, and uh, John Carmack became wildly successful, as he deservedly so, made made millions of dollars and uh, decided to do rockets in his spare time. This is a good 10, 15 years ago. Armadillo Aerospace was the name of his venture. And now uh, he works, he, he left id Software some years ago, and now he is an executive doing, you know, he's, he's helping push tech forward at Oculus. So he's working in virtual reality and John, uh, John is a, a man who, in my opinion, so I've met a few people that struck me as, as genius caliber intellect in the course of my, uh, my career. Elon is certainly one of them. You know, I had the, obviously the privilege of interviewing him recently. John Carmack, I did get to meet an interview about, well, it was during the development, during the sort of promotional run-up to Rage. And I think Rage was 2011, so... Yeah, I mean, it's a good probably eight or nine years ago that I met John Carmack. But um, when I did interview him, and I think there, there might be tape of it somewhere on my OXM podcast. But anyway, um, it's probably, you probably shouldn't listen to it because I'll bet I was probably not good at interviewing back then. Uh, but John struck me very much as genius caliber. And I, and I would always read John's blogs. They were called plan files back in the day when, when a lot of game developers would post up blog type things. And yeah, John. John is basically a human computer, and I say that in the in the very nicest of ways. So he he is, I think, intellectually Elon's equal in a lot of ways, very much on that same wavelength. And so it was really cool to hear John talk about Tesla 
on Joe Rogan's show, especially now that Joe has his P100D Model S. So I wanted to play you a clip of uh, from the interview. It's a two-hour two hour conversation. But here is a five-minute chunk of John Carmack talking with Joe Rogan about Elon Musk and about Tesla. Enjoy. Do you still do that? Do you still have cars like that? So, no. Right now, I am all about the Tesla, where I have I, I have a P100D, and I think it's the best car I've ever owned by far. So I've gone through all of these hyper exotics, and I love my Tesla. I have the same, and it's as fast as anything. It's the fastest car I've ever driven in my life. So compared to my you know my supercars there, the, the Tesla is much quicker off the start, yeah. which most Stunning. of the time that you're driving is, you know, my point about the I talk about how antisocial the old cars were, where I did, you could not just go use this. You would have to plan ahead where, okay, you make sure that you've got enough room. If you have a traction issue going here, you're going to cover a huge amount of distance. It was so loud. You really wouldn't want to do it in most places. But the Tesla is so magical where I had one of the first roadsters. And one of the, uh, when I was letting some other people take it out for drives, they said, you're driving a rail gun, which essentially you are. It's this electromagnetic pull mm. on the car and you just push, push the throttle down and it just goes. And it's this amazing feeling and it's not antisocial. Every stop sign you stop at, you've got traction control. It's not burning rubber. Right. You can just floor it every time you stop. And it's amazing. It just brings a smile to your face. It is this happiness machine. Well, the stunning acceleration is so confusing to people. <laughs> I've uh, like... My wife hates it. My, uh, I've had people in my car, and I go, you ready for this? And I stomp the gas, and then yeah. just go, Jesus! <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like a car that looks like a, you know, a nice four-door sedan should be able to do that. Yeah, so that launch is definitely really something, but I am compared to, like, if you're if you're already moving, the, the old Testarossa with a thousand horsepower was a very different beast, where that Jesus sense that you get at the very beginning, it's that magnified, extended for quite a while as you're running up through 150 miles an hour or so. And I am... But yeah, I'm signed up for the, uh, the next, the 2020, the next Roadster. When is that supposed to come out? So... You know, I wouldn't put too much, I, you know, they'll probably slip. You know, the Tesla is like, I, you know, like game companies and so much of the other stuff. I think they were saying it might be, I don't want to mistake, we should probably look it up here, but I'm on the list. It's going to get here as soon as it can. And I want the Rocket Boost Edition also with the extra compressed gas tanks. Yeah, what is that going to do? What is that extra Rocket Boost thing? So the idea do? is that uh, cars with this much power are completely traction limited, especially at launch uh, where you have no aerodynamic forces. So you could have infinite horsepower and you're not going to get off the line to 30 miles an hour any faster than what the P100 will do, given these same amount of tires. So... I, there's a few things that you could do with that. You can be like a rocket. You can throw something out the back so you need no traction at all. Rockets don't use, I, they don't require traction. They don't even require air. They can work in space. So most rockets, of course, have uh, all sorts of propellants you really don't generally want to be around uh, that are either cryogenic or toxic or generally problematic. Uh, but the idea here is that for SpaceX, they've developed a lot of these really cutting-edge, state-of-the-art compressed gas tanks, which are the same types of things you use for uh, compressed gas vehicle tanks, except much higher, uh, much more mass efficient. So the idea is you just fill them with air, pump them up, and it's like an enormous balloon. You know, you, you let go of the balloon, it flies around the room. Uh, well, when you've got 10,000 PSI of air in, you put a rocket nozzle on it, and essentially you just open the valve, and it can push you forward with an almost arbitrary amount of thrust. 
the amount of thrust is only determined by how big the throat of the rocket nozzle is, which means that sometimes you see these industrial accidents where if like the end of a compressed gas tank falls off, I so it's got a hole like this big and all of the gas is coming out of there. It all blows out in a very short amount of time, but that can launch those, you know, those bottles like really high into the air through walls. Uh, it's limited only by how big of an outlet you want to get it. I don't know what they're specking this as for how much they can do, but there's an interesting thing about that where you can have it just throw the thrust uh, completely horizontally, but I suspect it would be slightly better if they angle it up a little bit so you get a little bit of downforce mm. so you can both steer better. But in the early things, especially on the Roadster, you've got more torque available from the electric motor than you have traction. So you would wind up with net best acceleration by a little bit of downforce so the engine can actually throw all of its power at it from the electric motor and then all the rest of it is horizontal thrust. Now, ideally, of course, you would gimbal it and then you could start moving it around and vary your downforce and thrust. And I, uh, you know, you could take this all the way where you put them on all four corners and you could bunny hop your car. Uh, <laughs> that's not spec for the current vehicle, but you could take that exact same system, put more of them on there and you could control that, which is like all the work that I was doing in rocketry started out with these uh, computer-controlled rocket vehicles that would use the rockets and steer them under control, and they could sit up there in the hover, kind of right in front of you, move around, translate, and land. And you could totally do that on a car. You wouldn't be able to do it for very long, but the idea of being able to make sort of a Batmobile leap or something to be able to it's like get away, get over something, that is plausible and would be interesting to do. First of all, I want to note how much I adore the obvious giddiness in John Carmack's voice when he's talking about this stuff. It's it's just like just like me, just like us, all of you, me too, where we just get super excited talking about this stuff. And I love hearing that. But a couple of quotes from John there. I loved how he says, you're driving a railgun with a with a P100D or or the original Roadster too. He's is actually I think is what he was referring to there, what what people were were telling him when they would be in the car. But you know, th what I found that funny because this is a guy, if you're familiar with his games, Carmack is a guy that helped made railguns famous in video games in Quake 2 and then Quake 3. The railgun is one of the most popular and sort of most legendary weapons from, uh, from those two games. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then he said, quote, it's a happiness machine, which I just could not agree with more. And and also, he says right there, he likes it better than just about all the other supercars he's had. And it sounds like John's had a lot of them over the years. And then he perks up even more when he's talking about the 2020 Roadster and the SpaceX package. Like, he can't wait to get that thing. Like, he is, he is like a kid waiting for Christmas morning with that thing. You know, when what and what's cool is. When he discusses what the SpaceX package might be like in practice, the reason I played him talking about that is because, again, Carmack is, is a, a, such a smart guy. He is an engineer, effectively. You know, it's a bit of a different kind. It's more of a software engineer, but he knows, but he's, you know, he's done space stuff. So he knows exactly what he's talking about when he's describing what the SpaceX package could be like. I'll tell you, I would, I've had John Carmack on my wish list for IGN Unfiltered, which is my monthly uh, sort of long-form developer interview series that I do at IGN. I've had him on my wish list for a while. Um, haven't been able to get him, but hopefully one of these times. And I'll tell you, if I ever do, 
I've got to also get a little extra time, sit him down and talk Tesla with him for this podcast. That would be fun. So John Carmack, you're invited. Come on down, my friend. All right, that will do it for what turned into a fairly busy week of Tesla news, but stick around because right after this quick little five-second musical break, I've got a bunch of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls queued up, your questions, your comments, your discussion topics coming up right after this. I invite you, I welcome you to participate in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. If you'd like to call in, there are uh, two easy ways to do that. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record me a 90-second or less question, if you please, so I can get to as many each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. And then the second method is to call in and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline, which is set up for this. That toll-free number to dial into is 1-888-989-8752. One more time, it's 1-888-989-TSLA. And by the way, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with our friend Keith, a.k.a. the Tesla Hillbilly, as he refers to himself from Missouri, wants to ask me about Cuphead, a topic I can definitely speak well to. So, Keith, go ahead. Good morning, Ryan. Greetings from Keith, the Tesla Hillbilly from Missouri. I just finished listening to your latest podcast, Another Fine Show. The question I have to you goes towards the expertise you possess in your day job. With the soon-to-be-released version 10 software update from Tesla that includes Cuphead, which will require a game controller, can you recommend a couple plug-and-play units of good quality and reasonably priced for our Teslas? Preferably something that is unobtrusive enough to sit in our center console so that we do not feel compelled to remove it from the vehicle every time after we have used it. Thanks again for not only your insights, but from those of your listeners of the Tesla community who add to the quality of your podcast. Also a nice tribute to Maggie and her memory today. Be sure and give a pat to Daisy for me also. Have a great day. I am happy to help you out on this, Keith. And by the way, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. To answer your question, I personally think the Xbox One controller, which you will need a USB cord to go with that, I think that's the way to go. It's just a really nice build quality. The triggers feel really good, and so do the thumbsticks. And I've got nothing against the PlayStation's DualShock 4, which you could also choose for the Tesla application, but I just personally like the feel of the Xbox One controller better. So here's hoping we get that Cuphead release on the Teslas very soon. Pam is next, and uh, she wanted to ask a question about upgrading one's autopilot. Go ahead, Pam. Hi, Ryan. It's Pam Johnson. I have a 2017 Model S 75D. Love the car. Who says women don't like electric cars? That is so wrong. You know, but my only issue is, is I believe I have hardware 2.0 in this car, 
I would like 2.5 where my sentry mode can record on a USB because it doesn't right now. I want the dash cam. So I was thinking, what if I bought the full self-driving? They would have to update that hardware, right? So that's what I'm hoping for. I did buy it uh, before the 16th, and I'm praying that I'm going to get new hardware, so hardcore 3.0 or whatever it is that they have at the time, and then maybe I can take advantage of sentry mode and the dash cam and the dog mode and all that other stuff. Thank you, Ryan. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you for your call and your enthusiasm, Pam. Now, I hate to say this, but I'm not sure if you're going to get full dash cam functionality with Autopilot Hardware 2.0, meaning the cameras, because the full self-driving package is definitely going to get you the new computer. But as far as we know, it's not going to change out the cameras. I don't actually... Tesla's been weirdly not definitively clear about that either way, but the full self-driving hardware, the computer, is different than the auto than the autopilot hardware, meaning the cameras and the sensors. So see if I can find out any more on that. Hold the thought for now. Uh, I appreciate you calling in, and we'll see uh, if we can get a sort of a definitive answer to that at some point. Matthias calling in from Germany. He's considering a Model 3 and has a question about it. So go ahead, Matthias. Hey, Ryan, this is Matthias here with a question. Um, I'm just uh, calling you from the motorway in Germany while I'm listening to episode 210. And um, on that note, thanks for all you do, first of all. Um, I do have a question for you as I'm considering to order Model 3. Um, there's something that is crossing my mind, um, and um, I'm kind of aware that uh, Tesla um, has stopped to provide a um, kind of lifetime cellular services to enable all the features and um, elements that the software provides within the car. Now, I personally have the luxury to um, have a contract with our cellular provider in Germany that provides me a data flat rate. So I was just thinking about whether Tesla either has a feature um, that I'm not aware of or has a plan to provide a SIM card slot um, in um, either the Model 3 or the Model S and the Model X, um, which would allow um, the owner um, to provide the Tesla with SIM card and thus a kind of home-owned um, cellular connection instead of uh, ex extending the cellular collection once the initial period from the initial order runs out. Um, not sure whether um, you're aware of that or that's maybe an idea or a feature request. I cannot provide that given I, um, as of now, do not own a Tesla. Um, but I just uh, wanted to provide um, either you or the community with that question, um, and maybe it's totally meaningless, and um, just let me know. Um, on that note, thanks for all you do. I um, really love the podcast. Keep up the great work, and um, maybe we uh, see Tesla at an in and out burger soon. Cheers, Ryan. Bye. Hello, Mateus, and thank you for the call. So I have good news and bad news. The bad news is that no, there is no SIM card slot in any of the Teslas that's, that's user accessible. However, the good news is that you can put your mind at ease because the software updates will always be free with that car's built-in cellular data connection. The premium connectivity package that's offered now to, that you pay for is for the streaming music service, which for you in Europe is going to be Spotify, as well as live traffic data. That is what that is paying for. But the cellular connection 
will always remain active for the entire life of the car and provide you with those over-the-air updates regardless of whether or not you pay for the premium connectivity package. So I hope that helps. And yes, hey, if we don't see each other at an In-N-Out Burger over here uh, in the States, maybe we'll see each other at Gamescom in Cologne at some point. I'd like to make my way back over there at some point. That was a, a fun experience to go over there. I love Cologne as well. Michael from Baltimore is next and uh, wanted to throw out a feature suggestion. Go ahead, Michael. Hey, Ryan. It's Michael from Baltimore. Been a while since I called. Congrats on the Roadsters. Very well deserved. Happy for you. Uh, second, Camden Yards. I wish you would have um, let us know a week before. Maybe we could have messaged in and hooked up at some point just to uh, say hi when you're out here. Glad you enjoyed seeing a, a game there. Uh, a couple things. In terms of an enhancement for the the Model Three, I would love to be able to tell the car not to automatically lock when it's in my garage. So, for instance, the Geo enabled um, feature like they do for the mirrors. How about doing that for the locking feature? Because if you don't have your phone, you can't get in your car, but in the garage, but you don't need to lock it. Uh, and then two, wanted to see if you heard any updates on two other things that are out there. Um, The mapping feature, offering multiple route options, that's a big pet peeve. And then second, uh, the blind spot implementation, being able to have it beep at you when you actually hit the blinker as opposed to when you're encroaching in the the lane of the other person. Wondered if you heard any news on that. All right, that's it for now, my friend. Keep up the great work and um, thanks again for all you do. I appreciate those kind words, Michael. I'm sorry I missed you in Baltimore, but I was only there for a quick weekend with my three uncles who each live in different states now, so definitely wanted to maximize that time with them. Plus, we were there right during that crazy heat wave in uh, mid to late July there, so it was so darn hot. I don't think you'd have wanted to come and say hi. It was just, it was roasting, but uh, plus the humidity too. Anyway, hopefully another time. To your questions, yes. I feel like something, I feel like someone else may have just called in with that recently. I don't know. It just, it sounded familiar, but uh, maybe I'm just imagining it. But yeah, I, I totally agree that that would be a good thing to add a GPS tag to. And I'm not sure Tesla has actually said that they're adding multiple route options for the navigation system and or doing any improvements to the blind spot monitor, but Hey, you putting it out there will hopefully get it heard by somebody on the Tesla team. Thanks so much for your call. Let's head out to Phoenix. Speaking of hot places, Mike from Phoenix has a question about the newer Model S's. Hey, Ryan, this is Mike from Phoenix. I'm going to figure out uh, what the uh, 0 to 60 is for the Raven Performance Model S. I've been looking quite a bit, but I can't find it anywhere, and I'm not sure it's different than the uh, P100D, but uh, just have an answer. Thanks. I am happy to help you here, Mike. My friend Eli Burton, he of the My Tesla Adventure channel, recently got a P100D, or aka just the Performance Raven with Ludacris, and took it right over the track. He did not waste any time, and he did he did, in fact, go do the uh, the quarter mile ever so slightly better than a non-Raven P100D. 10.5 seconds he clocked, but the 0-60 to time appears to be unchanged at 
2.4 seconds, which is unbelievably impressive, man. What a what a what an amazing piece of work the P100D Model S is. My goodness. Let's head up to Jason in Utah. Wants to talk about a couple different topics, Model Y and uh, some Model 3 stuff as well. Jason, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. This is Jason out in Utah. Hey, I have uh, done a pre-order for a Tesla Model Y. And one of the things I really want is to be able to get that extra acceleration like the performance model. But I don't want the 20-inch wheels or the lowering of the suspension because I live up near the mountains and need all the extra clearance for snow. and want to put snow tires on in the winter, etc. So what I'd love is to be able to get those 18-inch aero wheels, but just get the acceleration portion. And I thought for a while at least you could do an off-menu order with Tesla on the Model 3 to do something very similar. One, I guess my question is, is that still occurring on the Model 3, and can you do that? And then two, do we have any information or any knowledge if that will move to the Model Y? Appreciate it. Thanks for the great show. Appreciate all your support for the community. Bye. Hey, Jason. Well, as of now, it's not an option on the Y. It's very possible, especially with an SUV for the very reason you describe, that Tesla will end up giving you the choice of taking the 18-inch wheels and sacrificing the larger sport brakes. But for now, we have to go by what's on the Model Y design studio. And as of your call, it shows the 20s as the only option. It's a little vague on the Model 3 design studio right now because it no longer shows the 18-inch wheel available upon request verbiage that it had had up there recently. But it does show off a, uh, it just shows a grayed out 18-inch aero wheel that even though you can't select it, is still more than what shows on the Model Y page. So, unfortunately, I don't know what to tell you right now. Uh, I would say that you're going to pay the same either way, so I'd go ahead and keep your order for now. And, and worst case, I'm sure you'd be able to trade with another Model 3 or Model Y owner who'd probably be happy to take the 20s. Of course, alternatively, you could always sell them as well. But hopefully Tesla will, will help you avoid that altogether if you decide that's a hassle for you and just give you the option to take the 18s when it's time to finalize your order sometime late next year. But for now, this is one of those vague Tesla things that's just an unfortunate reality that there's really nothing else we can do about for the time being. Uh, Andreas from Seattle uh, calling in next. Wanted to offer a couple of helpful suggestions for recent callers. Go ahead, Andreas. Hi, Ryan. This is uh, Andreas in Seattle. Uh, let me just start by saying that I'm one of the listeners that discovered the podcast at the time of the interview with Elon, and oh boy, was I in for a treat. I love your podcast, and I listen to every episode ever since. It's like extremely well-made and very informative. Keep on coming. Uh, today I called to answer a few questions from uh, two of your callers in, I believe it was episode 212, uh, previous one. Uh, first of all, answering Andy's question with regards to the voice commands where there is a delay after activating it and nothing happens. Well, living in a spotty area for coverage myself, I noticed that uh, the voice commands don't seem to work if the car is not connected to the LTE network. That may be the reason why in Andy's case seemed to be working after a few minutes assuming he was driving around. 
And secondly, to answer, I believe it was Michael's question about the Stadia and in general uh, gaming for Tesla, uh, a few weeks ago I discovered that there is a website maintained by the Tesla community that contains a great collection of games and which can be played on the Tesla. It seems to be continuously growing because the last time I checked there were a lot of new titles in there. So the address was www.supercharger.games. Uh, yeah, suffice it to say, I ended up spending a lot of time with those games and not only while charging, to my embarrassment. Um, yeah, that's it for this call. And again, great podcast. Keep on coming. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Andreas, thank you so much uh, for not only giving this podcast a try, but for those extremely kind words. I really do appreciate that. I actually don't have anything to add to your call other than to say thank you for those helpful notes. That's why I wanted to play it, just get the get the good word out there. But uh, I am going to have to give that browser-based gaming site a try, supercharger.games. Thanks again. Uh, let's stay in Seattle with John, another Model Y question. Go ahead, John. Hey, Ryan. This is John from Seattle, longtime listener, first-time caller. I'd like to know if you know or can find out anything about the ground clearance for the upcoming Model Y. My wife's Lexus SUV is going to be giving up the ghost soon, and I would love to go all BEV in the house, but we have a steep driveway, and uh, if we don't get something that's up off the ground, it's going to scrape. Uh, unfortunately, it's the driveway, not the curb, so curb cut's not going to help. Uh, I asked Uncle Google, but wasn't able to find out anything definitive. I'm hoping that you know something or know someone who knows something. Thanks a lot. Love your podcast. Listen every week. Bye. Boy, I have to say, I'm feeling pretty unhelpful this week that I can't be uh, more definitively uh, answering folks. But this is another one. I This is an answer I just can't get. You know, I, I might be able to get this for you in, soon, sooner rather than later, hopefully, uh, but all I remember from my test ride is that the Tesla driver of, of the prototype Model Y had said that your seating position is up about three or four inches higher in the cabin because of seat risers that they have. But I know that doesn't help you. That's not the information that you're looking for. Not quite sure what the ground clearance is yet, but stay tuned. I will see what I can try and find out. Two more callers this week. Let's go to Kenny in Newport News, Virginia, uh, with a full self-driving package question. Go ahead, Kenny. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? It's Kenny from Newport News, Virginia. Hey, look, I have been ticking a little bit lately. Out of curiosity, what happens to the deposit you place down for full self-driving if the lease, let's say, you got was up? and full self-driving isn't here yet. I'm just curious to know how Tesla is returning those funds to all those uh, owners or leasees. Thanks. Look forward to hearing your answer. Well, Kenny, the thing is, I don't think you get it back at all. I think that's a big reason, honestly, why Tesla changed the full self-driving package to include features that are available now in order to avoid potentially running into this again in the future. Remember, full self-driving was first offered in its original form when the Autopilot 2.0 system, that was Tesla's in-house system that they had to develop after their partnership with Mobileye dissolved, and Mobileye did Autopilot 1. 
So that release, that Autopilot 2.0 system released in October of 2016. So Tesla knew that they would have those first Model S's coming up on the end of their three-year leases this fall. But um, yeah, I don't believe that you get that money back. I have not heard of anyone successfully managing that. Final caller this week, last and certainly not at all least, Mike from Fairfield, California, to Tesla household and has an issue that he's hoping I might be able to help him with. Mike, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. Uh, my name is Mike Miller from Fairfield, California. And the question for you is um, both my wife and I have Tesla. She has the Model S and I have the Model X. And we got our cars roughly in close proximity to each other, but both have developed a yellow ring around the screen. We've uh, tried to schedule an appointment to bring it in, and Tesla was quick to dismiss those appointments, saying that they do not have a fix for them, and they don't know when they will have a fix for them. Just wondering from you, from many of your inside sources that might know when there will be a fix and what that fix might be. Is it a new screen? Is it something that they have to do to um, change some settings? Or what causes this? Anyways, thanks very much. Enjoy the show. Listen to it on my commute every day. Thank you. Mike, I believe I can help you here. I'm not sure when you last tried to get this addressed at your service center, but I would kindly encourage you to please try again because the fix has been rolled out. It involves taking a UV light to the screen for a while. I have, I have seen documented proof that the fix has been performed for people and that it works. So hopefully if you make another appointment now, they should be able to help you out. Good luck with it. And thanks to everybody for calling in. Again, I sincerely appreciate your participation in this podcast. I really think it adds a lot. So uh, if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic as it pertains to the world of Tesla, I would love to hear from you. So give me a call either at 1-888-989-8752 and leave a message, or you can record something on your smartphone's built-in voice recording program uh, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, coming right up, I'll tell you how my service center appointment went this past week, and I'll get to your pro tip of the week as well right after this. Well, my service center appointment this week went fairly well, got the tires rotated. It cost a little more than, uh, than I would have guessed. And in fact, my service center rep told me that the prices had gone up recently, but not too much I can do about that. So it is what it is. Um, unfortunately, and then I did get the, that taillight swap that was the inner left taillight that was a little bit sort of just a little loose in its, in its housing. It worked fine, but they took care of that under warranty. But then the seat, the, uh, the discoloration from the, the black seat belt on the, the rear seat where my daughter sits on the passenger side. So they tried to clean it off with some, some Meguiar's brand stuff that they had. Nothing didn't come off. And then, and then I just politely said, well, you know, can we look into this maybe being a warranty issue? Because, you know, the car is a year old. It should not be wearing like this. I clean the seats. I take care of the car. So I did hear back from my service rep a couple days later, 
and confirm that, uh, unfortunately, there is a six-month warranty, basically, a six-month window where you can flag this kind of stuff to Tesla. After that, it's just considered normal wear and tear, and they are not going to address it. So uh, I'm, a, I'm bummed out. I'm not upset, but, I mean, I really believe the seat should not be like that. I mean, it's just been normal use of the seatbelt, and I clean my my white seat. So I am disappointed. I'm not angry, but uh, I, I bring this up in as a just a word of caution, honestly. So if you get white seats in your car, uh, particularly this is this is speaking to well, I guess really that it would be the X as well, but the, certainly the S and the three on the, the back seat and how the seat belts work, because uh, you know the front seats they don't really rub all the time uh, uh, the seat belt. So uh, keep an eye on it if you go with the white seats in your Tesla. And if you see anything start to develop on there, you know, you could try to clean it off. But if it doesn't want to come off, let Tesla know. So then they'll, they'll need to uh, make sure to address it if it happens, if it happens within that, that six months, first six months you have the car. So a word of caution there for, uh, for anybody that that might be helpful to. The other thing I wanted to mention this week doesn't relate to me and my uh, adventures in my Tesla, but a listener named Jason wrote to me and sent me a dash cam video. And it, I'll tell you, this was a crazy dash cam video. He's got it on YouTube, but it's uh, it's of a motorcyclist. I, I don't think there's any other way to, to say it that other than road rage. I mean, this guy this was road raging against Jason. So Jason's in the left lane, which is the you know, the diamond lane, HOV lane, which he's able to do to be in, in his Tesla with his stickers here in California. This is where this took place. And, uh, the, the, so he's just, he's, he's on autopilot straight, you know, dead center of that left diamond lane, that HOV lane. And he posts the video up, you know, first of the right repeater camera of the motorcycle coming up, then the, then the front front camera, and this something got under this motorcycle rider's skin. I think he he thought the Tesla should have gotten out of out of his way and nudged over to help let him through, uh, or what? I but he just he starts he starts flipping the guy off, and then he he's like pointing at his head, like you know, kind of a think McFly think thing, and he backs off and then roars up and d- repeats the same thing twice, does the same thing three times. This whole process. And I just couldn't believe it. It's like, this guy has some serious anger issues, number one. But uh, the reason I bring this up is because I thought, well, you know what? Let me send this to Elon if I can catch him online. And I don't know if I did or not. I, I posted uh, fairly recently after Elon had tweeted something, but I didn't, I didn't get a response. So I don't know if he saw it. But I, I thought I would probably make a, try to make a proactive suggestion out of it, which is I thought, you know, well, maybe it would be useful to have some sort of indicator to other vehicles that autopilot is engaged. So then that would tell other drivers, hey, this car is going to, you know, it's going to be locked in. It's not going to be drifting around. It's, it's going to, it's going to do its thing. We got a driver assistance feature activated here and maybe that would be a helpful thing. So I thought, well, maybe if it just blipped the hazards, you know, just, you know, cause the hazards are just the steady blink uh, of both of them at the same time, maybe just a quick like blip every five to 10 seconds, just to kind of tell people, oh, okay, this car's got something going on. But 
a f- other people, a few other people replied with a way better idea, a way better idea that I, I think what I would love to see. And I, and also it's, it's pretty perfect considering how pop culturally aware Elon and Tesla in general are. And that is to take the third brake light, which on the model three is, you know, the, it's about uh kit sized kit from Knight Rider or, you know, and on the, uh, and actually on the X as well. And then on the S it's, it's the, it's the strip on the top of the rear glass across the whole car. But you could do a kit wave, you know, just have the woo-woo, you know, just the, the the back and forth of the LED lights to let other people know, hey, this car's got autopilot on. And then, of course, you know, if you need to use the brake, it would just light the brake up, you know, brighter and the whole the whole strip as usual. But, yeah, I thought those suggestions in reply to me of using using the the you know the 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 night rider the kit thing from the front of the car on the on the third brake light as as a way of letting people know that autopilot is activated i think that would be super cool and i think it could be really beneficial too because eventually word would get around like you know people wouldn't like maybe that same motorcyclist if that feature existed maybe he wouldn't know about it but in time he'd see enough of those cars and maybe either figure it out or google it when he when he gets home and I think word would get around eventually to other, you know, the community just in general, other drivers. I won't, I won't zero in on motorcyclists specifically. And obviously, by the way, this, this motorcyclist was uh, clearly an exception to the rule. I, I, I don't in any way mean to generalize all motorcycle riders. If you're curious, by the way, uh, I had thought that lane splitting was illegal here in California. I went and looked it up though after uh, some people were asking me in reply to my tweet like oh is it legal what you know what's the what's the 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 driver of the car supposed to do if anything turns out it's neither illegal nor legal in California basically the state just looks the other way and says everybody needs to behave safely so um I don't know what would happen if there'd been an accident if there'd been a situation who would be at fault but and I know there are states where it's legal and there are states where it's illegal. But in any case, it, the point is, it does happen, at least certainly here in California, you know, with its, with its vague non-legality, non-illegality, it happens. So maybe there could be a way using that, that third brake light to, uh, to let people know, to so try and, you know, let a motorcyclist know, hey, look, this car is just going to stay locked dead center of the lane. And, you know, you, that's nice and predictable for you. So anyway, uh, thank you, Jason, for writing into me with uh, with that. I was I was I was so upset for Jason when I watched the video. I was just like, man, what a what a crazy thing to have happen to you on the road. Just thankfully, he wasn't hurt and his car was not damaged. Uh, you know, it was not um, vandalized in any way because that stuff can happen with uh, when you get guys get it, people get angry enough, man. That stuff can happen. All right, happier topic. Pro tip of the week, uh, week not weep. <laughs> Pro tip of the week comes to us from Greg with a driver profile tip. Go ahead, Greg. Hey Ryan, got a pro tip for everybody. So go ahead, we all do it. Go to your car; it's air conditioned. Set your seat in the right position for a nap. Then go to profiles, save that profile, call it nap, call it sleep, call it whatever you want. 
but that's my new nap button. Enjoy, everyone. And Ryan, keep up the great work. Well, Greg, I'm sorry your recording got cut off there, but thank you very much for the call and the kind words. I love this idea. It's great for supercharger naps on long trips or, you know, hey, other times when you might need or want it as well. So cheers, Greg. Thanks for that. And if you would like to send in a pro tip of the week, something you've learned about your Tesla that might not be obvious, might not even be in the manual, go ahead and send it in the same way that you send in the Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls. Uh, All right. That means it's time to wrap up. I want to start by mentioning abstractocean.com. If you've got Tesla accessory needs or desires or both, head on over to abstractocean.com. They've got the uh, the vinyl wrap kits for the center console and even the, the window switches over there as well if you want. And you can do all kinds of different textures and patterns, customize the look to your preference. Tempered glass screen protectors, uh, lanyards for you, all kinds of great stuff. Check them out, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, if you've got detailing needs, wants, or both, uh, visit irdetailing.com. If you're in the Bay Area or you're going to be in the Bay Area, maybe you're taking delivery out here, you're heading for the factory for a pilgrimage, what have you, Jeff at Immaculate Reflections will take great care of you and your car, whether you're in for a nice, you know, just clay bar, wash and wax, whether you're in for paint protection film, ceramic coating, which by the way, those services, those latter two services, $100 off right now uh, if you get booked in with Immaculate Reflections on that. Or if you do full body paint protection film, if you film over the whole car, $250 off. That is nothing to sneeze at. So, Get on the schedule, head on over to irdetailing.com. And then uh, what else? We've got, uh, ah, Jada. If you'd like a wireless charging pad for your phone to go in your Model 3 and or a USB charging hub for your Model 3, those two very nice devices are available uh, from Jada. And I don't have a discount for that, but I have a referral link Full transparency, they'll float me a couple bucks per sale if you just order it through my link. So I would appreciate if you did that, if you're planning to buy. Uh, so the URL for that is getjada.com. That's G-E-T-J-E-D-A. Getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. That's the full uh, thing to, to type in and uh, go to there. Meanwhile... Uh, let's see. Ah, the old Patreon. That is the number one way you can support the show on a, of course, purely voluntary basis. You're under no obligation. Nothing will ever be walled off from you. The show comes every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific. But uh, if you'd like to go the extra uh, mile for me and, and support my efforts here through Patreon, that would be sincerely appreciated. Uh, Even if you'd take a look at the Patreon page, I'd be grateful. You can find that at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And that link is always available in the show description notes if you ever need it. Uh, And with that, I will humbly request that you subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. That's not a money thing. It's just a convenience thing so that the show 
pushes out to you each week. You can subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. That's uh, TuneIn's in your car, by the way, so you can listen in your Tesla. I'm on Spotify. I'm also on YouTube, just audio only on YouTube. So check all of those out. Whichever way you prefer to get the podcast, it's there for you. I'll end by thanking the Patreon producers, the wonderful folks supporting me at the the producer tier, which gets them a few extra perks on top of, of course, uh, just the kindness of them supporting the show. They do get something in return from that. A few things, in fact. You can learn more on the Patreon page that I told you about a minute ago. But Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salaz, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Josh, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, and Dennis Peak. Thank you all very much for your Patreon producer-level support. It makes a huge difference, and I do sincerely appreciate it. If you can't tell, my voice is barely hanging on. Uh, I'm over, finally over. I ended up having to go to the doctor this week. I was just run down and miserable and uh, got diagnosed with a sinus infection, so that was fun. I've got my sinuses pretty well drained, but there's just kind of that little kind of dry throat, little dry cough still going on. So if I if I push my voice a little too far, I just it just I get that uh, reactionary cough that I can't stop. So hopefully my edits were clean enough. Normally I don't really edit myself talking at all on this podcast. It's just it, I I want it to be as if it were live, but there were a couple of times I had to stop because I just coughed mid-sentence and had to go back and just take it again and and splice it. So hope, hopefully you couldn't even tell. That's my goal. But uh, hopefully I'll be back on top of my game next week. I uh, got summoned for jury duty next week, which, hey, I'm not against the, the principle of it, but I've got so much going on at the office and at home and I am hoping that I don't get chosen this time. This is I've I've lived in San Francisco for eight years. This is the fourth time I've been picked. My my wife, conversely, uh, twice. So I don't know. I I guess I can't. I don't know if I can really complain. I know it's not a thing I should be complaining about, but uh, yeah, I've uh, I've already I already have one and a half jobs between my well, not counting my family. You know, my IGN and this. And then uh, the whole being a husband and a dad thing, but we'll see what happens. Um, Hopefully everything will go smoothly next week one way or the other. But uh, thanks all of you for listening. I wish you happy electric motoring. Hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think 
at Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun. 